0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This Podcast, where two film-loving mates with gaps in their view and history recommend films to one another, so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? This week, as always, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Hugh Dempsey. How's it going, Hugh?
1: Hi, Sam. How's it going?
0: Uh, Very well. I'm very excited, actually. Do you want to know why I'm excited?
1: I would like to know why you're excited.
0: I'm excited because in today's episode, this week's episode, we have a special guest star uh, for the very first time. Um, and it's Michael Nardelli. Now, for those of you who don't know, who that is Hugh. Do you know who that is? Can you tell us who that is?
1: Michael Nardelli is one of the stars of this week's film circle. Um, he's also one of the producers, and he's going to be joining us later. And we're going to discuss the film with him and the filmmaking process, and just generally have a bit of a chat. Absolutely, so we're... I'm, I'm looking, looking forward, forward to it. I am indeed. Yeah, he's uh,
0: he's had some other interesting projects that we'll talk about, and we'll get we'll get to that uh, when the time comes. So listen out for that in about. Half an hour's time.
1: So, we already mentioned uh, Circle. Um, not so, not so the I'm, Circle, of course. Not the not. Tom
0: Hanks, Emma Watson one.
1: Yeah, which I never even, I didn't even know existed either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> yeah, to it's, be it's also on Netflix and it's also, it's always the first thing that comes up when you sur- when you Google Circle, other than the uh, shape.
1: Yes, obviously. I mean that shape really has it down, doesn't it, on Google search? It's got some
0: sort of monopoly on the Google searches. Yeah, it's
1: frustrating. One might say it has a monopoly on the,
0: the shape itself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that is how language works, I suppose. Um
1: so if you've never listened to our show before, this is the way that it works. The... Just in case you didn't know how language works. It, usually you start off by identifying common shapes in nature. <laughs> <laughs> is how, uh, giving assigning them, uh, we've done it for six evaluate. weeks now and uh,
0: we intend to do it for, for more so what happens every week is um, <laughs> either Hugh or I recommend a film to the other that the other hasn't seen and then we discuss it, we spend the first third of the episode the host basically saying why they love it so much and why they think the other person would like it and then from there we hear the co-host's response to that and, and their response to the film this episode as mentioned is going to be a little bit different because we'll have uh, an interview with, uh, as you said, one of the stars of the film in the middle of that.
1: Hmm. So, yeah, we're looking forward to the the switch-up in format. Are you looking forward to it?
0: I am. It's going to be a fun experiment. Right then, let's get into this thing.
1: Let's dive into it. So, come on then, Samuel, tell us what you think this film means to you and why you recommended it.
0: The reason why I feel very strongly about this film is because i really love films that are set in a very small number of locations what i should say from the outset actually is to our listeners we are going to spoil the hell out of this film and it is a film that can be spoiled so if you haven't seen circle don't listen to this pod until after you've you've seen it if you're in the uk it's on netflix i assume it's on netflix in the us as well
1: If you're like the partner of somebody in the car and they're listening to this, tell them to turn it off. We're just going to spoil it, because it's got a very... Yeah, explain the premise of this film. So the premise is 50 people wake up in a dark room.
0: Each of them is stood on a small circle, and they themselves are stood in a circle. And it's a mysterious... concentric one, might say. Exactly, yeah. Although concentric suggests that there's... Anyway, multiple... Um, then what happens is people start dying. They get some sort of strange electric shock from the machine in the middle and it transpires that they are voting for who should die. And then the basically the whole film is set in that room where we get into moral and ethical conundrum about who should die first, who deserves to live, and so on.
1: Yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. Mm. Um, and- it's only short, it's only 88 minutes, um, so it's it's a real quandary. It's very, there's a, there's a lot of density to this film because it is, like you said, it is just people who deciding on the value of other people and their, and if they deserve to die. And you're also, one thing I would say is like, as an audience, you're not, you start off not knowing if they're doing this for a reason. You mm-hmm. don't know the end of the film. You don't know. And then in terms of the suspense, I'd say the suspense of this film is very well managed, uh, throughout yeah i mean it's
0: because because the deaths have to be so regular somewhere between one and two minutes they have to make a vote sometimes people can die because they step off their circle all kinds of um all kinds of kind of you know combinations and it's such a cross-section of society you've got old and young you've got criminals and police you've got just about every type of person and i think what it means to me is um I really like these sorts of films as a sort of writing challenge. Another film that we're going to watch in a, in a future episode is 12 Angry Men, uh, which which was an inspiration behind this film, even though the plot is not similar. But it is essentially a bottle episode of a film set in one place. Yeah. In the Princess Bride episode, we mentioned the film My Dinner with Andre. Again, that is essentially a 19-minute film in one restaurant. And I, I really like the film Buried with my, uh, Ryan Reynolds, where he's buried alive and he has to survive and he has a mobile phone and a set of matches or a lighter um and i just i just i think it's quite a fun film type
1: yeah so what does this what does the so there's a lot of moral and ethical questions asked in this film uh that's very much from the outset it's it's stated in once you get past i would say maybe the first maybe five deaths when the first when the young man is zapped, i think um i think that's when it gets into it the thick of what this film's trying to discuss isn't it
0: yeah because he has quite a glib solution well first we should save some time we should you know make some time by killing the oldest people and then it really gets interesting because you know a 50 year old is not in the same bracket as an 80 year old when it comes to you know who's going to die soonest um yeah. And we, and I mentioned there's a such cross section of society that actually it's not as clear cut and it's, it's, I don't know if uh, if you're the same here, but sometimes I think that most problems are fairly easy and people just need to think about them. And then I watch the news or I get involved at all on social media or in politics and I think, oh my God, actually people disagree on everything. And actually sometimes it's not that straightforward.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you put me on the spot there. Haven't you?
0: <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's it's there's a there's a real quandary in there because they they a lot of them take the common sense view of what is what is said to be common sense view of just sort of women and children first. The pregnant woman and the young child should be the ones who survive, and then the others say, "Well, that doesn't matter in here. This is not you know. We just want to survive, and we will do anything to to achieve that."
1: Um, oh, there was a quote. I can't remember the name of the person but there was um, a man who survived Auschwitz, and apparently at one point him or he witnessed somebody say to uh, an Auschwitz guard or like, he said, "Um, why why are you doing this to us? Why are you so cruel? And the, the response of the guard was, in here there is no why. And that's what I was thinking a lot through when the morality of this film develops. There is no why. There is just, as one of the characters says, there is just... That this is God in here now and have faith in that.
0: This is what I think is the genius of the concept and the way it's written is that, it, as you said at the start, it's, for, it's densely packed with everything from uh, microcosmic versions of global or international or national level debates about religion and worth and value and so on um and they're able to distill that into these sort of little themes in a film or sometimes in a five-minute conversation and they move on there's questions about age and race and religion and and wealth and and all those things do crop up as, as sort of issues to be discussed
1: yeah how would you play the game then um I,
0: I, you know what, you know what I found actually when I was watching it, even even the third and fourth and fifth time that I've seen this, I struggled to keep up with strategy in the in the game that they were, that some of them were playing. I'm exactly the sort of person who would play it completely on the level. Um, to be honest, I'd probably keep quiet, which is unusual for me. But I think I'd just keep my head down, as it was found in this film. Actually, you know, a lot of people who made it quite far were those who you didn't hear much from at all people tended to die quite quickly when they started to say th- their views <laughs> because somebody has a problem with each of their views so yeah. per- me personally I th- you know what I might even volunteer I'm quite a nihilist really and so yeah I think after the 15th 20th person had died I would have given up hope and I would have thought you know what actually I- I'd rather not have more blood on my hands I probably would have gone the way that Sean went the young lad, yeah. How about yourself? Did you did you formulate any
1: theories and um, tactics? So when I watched it the first time round, I sat and thought. There are about ten minutes. I was I was kind of itching to see who got down to the last few. I was like, right, is this because obviously they identified that the chances of the people being at the end are the little girl and the pregnant lady. Mm-hmm. So I I thought so. Obviously they've implanted that seed in your mind already that this is going to happen um are they going to subvert that or are they going to are they going to you know go straight ahead into that scenario so i was kind of interested to see so if they went straight ahead with that scenario was it were they were the were the characters right were they saying oh right okay so i'm in this situation um and this is this is what's going to happen and I was like, well, will they get down to it? And you'll see like a horrific scene where the little girl, which you kind of do in the end, but where the little girl says, you know, oh, she goes to go, oh, I'll do it. And then she screws the old, screws the pregnant lady up because she's 10 years old ultimately <laughs> yeah. and she wants to live and she doesn't. Or were they going to get rid of them? And then you live with the amoral consequences of watching all the adults. Yeah, I mean, this um, is
0: this is the problem of, even those who survive, they're not going to be the same to the end of it. You know another film that seems to have inspired part of the concept would be something like "soul." Essentially, what are you willing to do to survive yourself? You know and it's most people's I suppose the word might be instinct uh, to just keep keep surviving for as long as you can, just in case, because really they don't know that it's going to come down to one person or no people. they might they might as, as somebody said in the film, it might be as soon as you kill that one specific person, you're all allowed out, or it might be okay. As soon as half of you are dead, then the rest are going to survive. Maybe they're cutting in half, and mm-hmm. for most people, it's just I just want to survive long enough to get to the next thing. I mean, even some people who have, you know, a very, um, a very low percentage of living from a terminal diagnosis, a lot of people will still mm-hmm. go. Well, you know what? I'll go through hell to live another couple of months um, because God knows what's going to happen. Uh, you know, it, it's very final to say to to decide to die or to not fight against it. Um, yeah, you're
1: playing the, the the probability, aren't you? Even if it's a million to one against you at that moment, you're going to wait until they'll hold out that hope for the one, aren't you?
0: And I think you can read quite deeply into it in terms of you know maybe, maybe one of the layers on which I think this worked could be that that room is some sort of analogy for life. Nobody really knows why they're there. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. Um, and then all these different philosophical viewpoints – sprout up you have nihilism that comes from that you have idealism that comes from that you have i'm not a philosopher so i don't know all of them but you have ethical conundra that that come out of that which is great
1: yeah how how do you live a good life
0: every answer to it is explored in there and i think obviously the one the only one who's really ethical is is the old man who the middle-aged man who does nothing because he's he's died with dignity he knows he's not the one who's going to live by the end um, and he's got no blood on his hands at all and he, and he gives them nothing and I think that's the person who I look up to the most um, but there is I mean Michael Nardelli's character who's who's coming on um, today's episode he obviously is the one who plays it best because he st- keeps his head you know below the parapet quite a lot of the film but he also chimes in with reasonable points and he works that to manipulate people in such a fantastic way. Okay let's
1: let's uh Get into the spoiler of this film then. At what point did you realise that Michael character was a complete psychopath?
0: <laughs> Literally the moment that Well, actually maybe as he's shouting at the little girl, do it now because he sort of has a bit of violence in his voice. But uh yeah. I really was taken in by it. I really was found out by that by that little twist.
1: Yeah, I was they did well, didn't they, to kind of So the twist is that At the end, it comes down to uh, Eric's character, um, uh, the little girl, and it comes down to the pregnant lady. And from about, what, maybe 20 minutes before the end, you basically get, it comes down to two camps, where it's those who will do anything to survive, including killing a a little girl and a pregnant lady, and those who, for moral reasons, object against that and will, will rather sacrifice themselves, or what turns out, attack those who don't. Who themselves, they'll attack each you know, they'll attack those people um, essentially and kill them off one by one and what happens is, Michael's character basically goes, talks the little girl more or less into committing suicide by stepping off the pad and just as she does that, she puts her foot down and as the buzzer's ringing to signify the votes coming in, he signals to kill the pregnant lady and the little girl dies because she steps off the pad, and Michael's because the pregnant lady hasn't voted. Uh, she, they both die essentially, more after one another, don't they? And yeah. I, I thought it was a really good twist personally. I've I watched the film again today, and I was watching it to see if you can see because they basically the way they write it is that Michael's character's essentially this moralistic guy who's like this who plays it as if some he. He knows that it's ultimately going to come down to them. Only has a small amount of self-preservation throughout the film. You think he's a good guy and then you find out that he's a complete psychopath. <laughs> and he's, played, he's played everyone to his own advantage and by luck and skill, that character survives.
0: And I, what I really love is at the end when he manages to pull it off and then there's no clear ending. And he goes, oh, come on, all that? All that for nothing, you know, and it's kind of like in that line, he really shows it to have been a performance the whole time, you know, really shows it's almost like I just orchestrated this for an hour and a half (laughs) so that I would be the one out of 50 who survived. I've killed a child and a pregnant lady for nothing. And then obviously there's an extra layer to the twist, um, whereby the child inside the pregnant lady is still alive. So it counts as yet another viable option, (laughs) which I thought was a great little extra. Kind of, yeah, it really brought home that his ethical problem was that he also had to kill a, a living child in, in that stomach,
1: yeah, because he technically didn't, he manipulated the little girl, mm-hmm. but he, and you could say, oh, well, he killed her, but at the same time, it was only right at the very end when he went, It's me or a baby, and he <laughs> went, Well, the mother's dead, so that it's the baby, yeah, Do you know what I mean. What was gonna happen was the mother just gonna wake up in that wherever she was on, in a sewer and she was, or oh, she was going to be dead, and that was it. There's a stillborn baby. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I suppose it <sighs> would have to be if if he didn't, if he didn't do it in time, they would have both died, because yeah. of course the only way he could die is the feet, because the fetus can't vote, so either they both die or, or just the fetus does. And obviously, it really brings it home when, in the very final scene, he wakes up uh, out it's daytime out on the street to go stand and watch the kind of alien spaceships fly away and he's there with a group of predominantly young people and pregnant ladies and like two dudes <laughs> who have clearly just either not been in a situation with uh you know a child or a pregnant lady or they've fucked him like uh like eric did
1: yeah um as as a response to the question you said earlier what would what would i do i don't think i would have played it I think, first of all, I think I would have stepped off the pad and died instantly <laughs> because I don't think I would have listened to the warning sign at all. With my back um, as well, I couldn't stand still like that for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was thinking of that. <laughs> you know, have you ever have you ever stood in one place for fifteen it's minutes? A nightmare, queuing up for a long
0: time or something. It's or a festival and you just can't move.
1: Well, you're in bits, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think. Yeah, so if I didn't move off instantly, and the, when I was watching it the first time, like, you've some you've got to, I think with this film, you've got to forgive it some of its, like, its fancier flights as of, you know that it has, like, yeah, probably a little girl probably would step off the pad, and I think a lot of them would step off when they first woke up, and I don't think you'd have, I think, what do you get, about 45 in that start really debating it? Mm. Uh, once they kind of realize what's going on yeah it takes a few um,
0: for the rules to be established there was one guy who seemed to know a lot more right at the start and it did occur to me has he done this room before or when i first saw it i thought oh is he part of the thing because the the camera just pans around these people still asleep on their feet and then it's one woman who wakes up and screams and then tries to tries to move off tries to touch somebody but gets a little warning buzz and then another man on the circle says okay don't move they can see you and I do wonder what what he meant by they can see you and how he knew that. Um, there were some suggestions in sort of fan theories that, um, and in fact, even in even in the film, I think it's implied, maybe if you do one circle then maybe you just go into another circle, who's to say that it ends? And obviously that's not the case. We, it appears because we see people out on the street at the end, but it's possible it's not the first time they've been through the circle and have their memory wiped or something like that
1: yeah um, maybe but I, I do there's... like
0: the ambiguity. I do think that's a plus because because it's very easy to wrap up a film and explain everything in some some cases it's fine not to
1: so what was your favorite scene in the film? My favorite scene
0: is the uh is the final round of decisions where it's Eric and the pregnant lady and the young and the young lady the young girl because because it really culminates i think aside from that because that's the kind of standout scene. I do like some of the discussions, <clears throat> and I particularly like, um, I particularly like when the young kid, the young college kid, he's suggesting that they bump off seventeen, eight year olds, and they start to run out of them, and um, they have a discussion about, well, I'm I'm forty three, what you want to kill me next, uh, you know, or I also as part of that sort of section, because it's there's not really scenes in this film, it's one long scene. There's the guy who's sort of next in line, kind of oldish, and he's just scrabbling around to lie, to say, no, no, let me think, I've definitely seen these, You know, I've got answers, please don't kill me next. I thought that was a sort of vaguely touching moment.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see his logic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in that situation, I wouldn't have voted for him because I would have been like, well, I wouldn't have voted for the lady in the old hat. There was another old lady who was clearly older than her, And then, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think I would have been like, well, yeah, you're over 40, you've had 40 years. (laughs) You know, there's there's kids, there's there's literally a child in here who's got at least 30 years. But does a 40-year-old
0: have much precedence over a 25-year-old in this scenario?
1: um,
0: And if so, where does it end? Does a 31-year-old have precedence over a 30-year-old? Because may I I remind you and the listeners that you are 31 and I'm 30
1: yeah uh thanks for the reality check <laughs> yeah i mean but then that wait then the argument does start coming down to well who's got kids and loads of like that life was another kids.
0: good one yeah because that's that's a genuine yeah. debate that some people have in society uh that people with children have more value or worth somehow and obviously the man who suggested it has seven children um and he's a banker so yeah that was
1: <laughs> i do like that bit where he goes oh yeah i've got 25 yeah, kids exactly because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they very know, quickly realize so that you they do. can't
0: trust anybody don't they and obviously there's the the couple who claim to be wed claim to be married um and it's not even questioned for about an hour
1: Did, did you um did you remember his name
0: only the third time I saw it. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I was convinced he was called Ian. And then when I watched it today, it was like, oh, it was Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Well, But then again, like you said, with the names, it's like, they don't know Sean's name. He goes, Scott, I'm going to name him. That was kids. so depressing. I like, don't yeah. even know his fucking name. That yeah. was so
0: depressing. Cause it was just oh, right at that moment. Um, you've kind of ruined question five of the quiz later, but I will think of another question. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name?
1: Craig. <laughs> was yeah. the question? Uh, and with their American yeah.
0: accents, I'm like, who's Craig. What's Craig? Uh, Yeah, Craig. Yeah, Craig, Craig. (laughs) As a a film, though, there's a couple other things I really like about it, and that is that um, in filmmaking you're told that it's all about stakes and it's all about conflict. What are the Hmm. stakes? Why should we care? And and where's the conflict? And once I sort of read that and really thought about that and tried to apply it to my own writing, every time I'd be watching something like the American version of The Office and one character would have a very simple task that they had to perform in a scene so so and so has to call up one of their suppliers to arrange something and there's a bit of conflict there but then what they'll do is just they'll just add another bit of conflict where another character has taken upon himself to to shout every four seconds or something like that and so there's now conflict in trying to get the thing he wants alongside this separate thing that's happening and it's basically just a way Mm -hmm. to keep the audience uh, amused but also to to create conflict and what this film does so well is both the stakes are really obvious, right from right from the start. There is a clear demonstration of the threat, and that is that people are dying very quickly. And then the the conflict is, is immediately apparent because you've got fifty people who all want to live, trying to yeah. trying to debate who gets to live, and it's and it's brilliant. And there's one big conflict, as you said, between those who were willing to kill the children, the, the child, but, and the pregnant lady. for their But own then lives. you get the little
1: conflicts, don't you, like between the police officer and the uh, mm. the guy who beat his uh, girlfriend up
0: exactly then you have the sort of issues of race are out there you know the, the, there's a black man who says well you know you're killing us off all you're all killing us off anyway so uh, what's yeah. the... <laughs> we need to band together against you and uh, there's a sort <laughs> yeah. of police brutality message in there and so on um, so yeah I really liked it as a film what, I also... what was your favourite line then? my favourite line I think it's um, it's where actually I've forgotten the exact characters who said it but uh there is this they say telling the truth in here gets you killed with a response in here everything gets you killed <laughs> yeah that
1: like. that's not that's not a bad line actually yeah is it? um i mean yeah i it's um it's it's a heavy film to be honest like i must admit i thought when i first started watching it, i was like right we're gonna sit and watch a film where just 50 people have Brutally murdered, or forty-nine people are brutally murdered by this like laser execution thing, and I thought, oh well, they're gonna maybe figure out a way to escape it somehow. Do you know, they might, you know, something's gonna happen, and then mm. you quickly realise maybe about. I think at the moment I realised that it was about it was just like a single setup, and that it was going to be in this entire room was um, when they kill the college kid. You realise, right now, this is them not trying to figure out how to escape; it's them figuring out how to survive.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, massively. I think it's um, there is a good sort of key change, isn't there? And and it, the seriousness of it gets wrapped up, uh, gets ramped up because yeah, you're so used to people being a pickle, and then it being saved by something, but actually no, the, this is a fairly brutal thing. And there's there's a yeah. slew of films like this you can find on Netflix, usually not as good as this, where it's people you know characters are trapped. In in one location, they've got to figure out how to get out. When escape rooms became a fad in the last hmm. few years, I think I've seen three or four films called escape room in the last two or three years, um, hmm. because it's a brilliant setup for a horror thriller type, saw type film, isn't it? You know, get, you need to escape or you die. Um, yeah, and uh, and it and it really works. And obviously, this there's even more ambiguity because you don't even know how they got there. And um, I'm always looking for something to write. I'm trying to write screenplays and so on. And I kind of get bored of projects very, very quickly. And in watching and thinking about this film i thought actually, do you know what I should be looking at a project like this because realistically if I end up finishing a screenplay, I won't have any money to make it, so it'd be good to make something I could literally make in one room or a pub or something like that.
1: Yeah, very low budget. Yeah. Um so why would you recommend this film to me? Why do you think I would like why do you think I would like this film?
0: The reason why I thought you might like it is because I do think that you you like a film that'll make you think and you are somebody that's very interested in history and with that comes interest in ethical dilemmas really and big questions about um what's right and what's wrong and and who's in the right so i think it just play into that
1: that fluidity of morality that we get across the ages that yes acceptable today isn't acceptable tomorrow and what was it what wasn't acceptable yesterday is acceptable today you're
0: very much more of a humanities student than a than a physics student in that sense that you actually you you like something that needs an essay rather than a number to answer it
1: right yeah and i mean it's
0: it's another great thing something about the film that reminded me um something the film reminded me of was i've never been a conservative voter i've never been a Tory voter. Um, Yeah. uh, And I tend to disagree with a lot of the, the policies and the politics of it. But actually, sometimes when I when I watch somebody speak from that point of view about what needs to be done on a realistic level, you know, this is what we need to do in order to be sustainable and responsible and so on. I tend not to I still end up not necessarily agreeing with them, but I do sympathize with the viewpoint that at least whether they are or not, they at least believe that they're the ones making the difficult decisions that actually will be good for us all in the end. Whereas um, the way that sort of socialism and so on is portrayed is irresponsible, um, soft headedness, you know, and I think it's Winston Churchill who says, you know, if you're, um, if you don't, if you don't support socialism when you're young, you have no heart. If you don't support conservatism when you're old, you have no brain, I think is the quotation.
1: Yeah, it's something along those lines. Yeah, is if you're a, yeah, if you're, if you're not a socialist when you're young, you're Crazy, and if you're not conservative, when you're older, you're crazy. So it's- yeah,
0: so it's sort of it's sort of uh, almost advertised as being the smart, responsible, difficult way of doing things. And I think what happened in this film is you sort of in- intuitively you're geared up to go against those who are just trying to survive, and they want to kill the kid and the pregnant lady. But you do actually then think, well, I need to consider their viewpoint. Are they somehow almost correct? Is it something worth listening to? This idea that it is making this hard-headed, sensible, difficult choice and ultimately I wasn't won over to that side but it did it did remind me of that and again I thought that might be something you'd be into is that sort of yeah the political questions. And up after the break our conversation with Michael Dardelli, star and um, co-producer of the film Circle. It's uh, it's our pleasure to welcome Michael Nardelli to the podcast. Welcome, Michael.
2: Thank you, Sam and Hugh. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Yeah,
0: for it's
3: our pleasure.
2: Help. So,
0: how did you get involved with Circle?
2: Uh, so, Circle. Gosh, it was a while back now. <laughs> so, I'm having to like retrigger my <laughs> memory. Uh, we were, um, me and my brother, were looking for projects to produce um we had just had a movie that went to Sundance and we're kind of looking for the next thing and uh and I love uh sci-fi and horror and and all those things that's those are my favorite genres um and we met with uh Mario and Aaron's managers actually from what I remember and they kind of you know went through their clients and their projects and what they had and they gave us sort of the pitch the circle the, the the like log line and pitch for circle and we're like, oh my gosh, that sounds great. It was like right up my alley, just just right away, just the idea of like 50 people in, in one room. And, and it seemed feasible to do for us because we work in like the independent, low budget space as well. So it was just like the way they pitched it. I was like, OK, well, I haven't read the script yet, but that's definitely a story I would want to watch for sure. Like I know I would watch it. So I don't know. That's always like a good first instinct to have is like, oh, yeah, I would watch that because, you know, I've seen a lot of movies I kind of know when it's something that's that feels new or fresh or or interesting, like something I'd be engaged in. So, so we got their pitch, and then we eventually met, um, and Aaron, uh, Mari Mashoni, and Aaron Hahn. Uh, in case the viewers don't know who they are, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they co-directed <laughs> Circle, and uh, or the listeners rather, not the viewers. Um, we uh, they had a show, a YouTube show called The Vault. So I reviewed that and watched all the episodes, and eventually read the script for Circle, which was a great read. You, could, you read it in like half an hour because it's mostly dialogue and um, it's the kind of story uh, where once you start it, you, re- you really want to get to the ending. You're not, you know, some scripts you read and you're like, oh, we got like 20 <laughs> more pages, 30 more pages. Okay, I'm, let me take a break. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Circle was a great read and we met them and they were great and had this vision for the movie and it aligned with what our vision was and, and what we were doing. When you um, first- as, as Sorry, sorry to
1: interrupt when you were first reading the script was was the pacing what was because you were saying that you were trying to get through what was the pacing like when you were reading it
2: quick you know? the the pacing was quick i mean i i cruised through it i think in like less than an hour which is great and wow. I, I know um like julie yeah. benz who's in the movie read it while she was getting her hair cut on her phone <laughs> so i think that's the story she told me um so i think that that's good because sometimes you just don't want to read a script if it's not I don't know, it's weird. It, it, it's hard to get through certain scripts if they're just not unique or interesting or it's something you've read before. And Circle felt fresh and um, almost like a play because it was, it was predominantly dialogue. Mm. Um, and there were so many different characters and, and point of views and, um, and different um, topics that were brought up that it was just like my favorite kind of sci-fi, which is you know, thrilling and entertaining, but, but, but meaningful and, and relevant and topical.
0: The point of the so many characters, it, when I was thinking about how this must have been written, to kind of keep in hand, maybe not entirely 50, because obviously some go before they've had a chance to speak. But yeah. you know, when you're reading it, how easy is it to follow who's saying what at any given moment? Because a lot of them aren't even given names, are they?
2: Yeah, it was. it's a little hard to follow the first time through. Um, a lot of the names were very archetypal and very generic, like lawyer or businessman or... Mm-hmm. uh you know everybody you know even like lesbian and, and like <laughs> going like that. through
0: imdb there was a, a, a character called the counting man because he would often count down the uh beats until it until it strikes
2: <laughs> yeah the counting man um was uh um, um not dyslexic uh um uh, okay. I, uh, autistic autistic right. um and so right. you know he was very kind of focused on the numbers and and yeah counting down each each interval um but that that made it a little bit easier to read just because a lot of the carrot well they go pretty quick <laughs> Yeah. so it's not too far deep into the script where you're already down to like 25 people and it's a lot easier to follow um, i felt really bad for
0: ashley key who obviously you co-host a co-star in the um dark web with because she basically got one line where she said i didn't say anything wrong and then she's gone and that's it
2: I know it's so it's so like macabre and twisted. People laugh when she dies because it's so <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, and I and Renee Hager's character is like, "Who is this woman? I don't even know who she is." So there is a lot of like dark. Like when I watch the movie, we watch it and we laugh. I think there's a lot of really like dark, satirical, twisted humor in there um, that I think is actually really funny. Um, and it makes for oh sorry, Oh sorry, yeah. It's
0: amazing how quickly all the characters desensitize to the murders and just shrug it off. You know.
2: That's what I think is so funny too. It's like they start off hysterical and kind of horrified and and by the end they're just like, oh, another one, another one bites the dust. (laughs) It's a little bit of a sad statement because I I think that's probably what what would happen is, you know, witness so much death that you get desensitized to it.
0: Yeah, I think so. And one thing that amused me actually was thinking, obviously the characters are all fighting for more space and more time. Were any of the actors fighting for more time on screen <laughs> or lines before being bumped off?
2: Uh, I don't know about, I think, uh, I don't know about fighting for more time, but there were definitely some people that were chewing some scenery. Yeah. I think that's what was really fun about it was, it was like a play. It was like live theater because um, mm. it's very rare that you get to act with all of your co-stars all at the same time, yeah. you know, or, or even get to interact with everyone, you know, in a movie or a show. And we filmed it sequentially. We filmed it in order. So every day it really was like a play. And, you know, you would lose 10 people and they were gone. <laughs> um, and, and the stakes, you know, like some people really went for it. And you're like, oh, okay, well, they're going for it. And they're kind of, you know, chewing the scenery. Well, I'm going to go for it too and make mm-hmm. sure I, and, you know, I get my moment. So I don't think anybody fought for more, like, screen time. But people definitely fought for their the spotlight in, in a good way. In a good, I like, see. healthy healthy, competitive way that that's very much like being on stage.
0: Yeah. So some way to be memorable, some way to have a, a d- definitive character rather than. Yeah. A, a yeah they up role. the Annie. Up lo- the
2: Annie. I just remember when Dan Lynch got to his big monologue, I was oh, like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> he really does go for it. <laughs> he went crazy and it was great. <laughs> I love that. But I just remember I, I didn't expect it. I was there being kind of like quiet Eric. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah! like holy <laughs> shit, where did he come from? his
0: mouth seemed to grow twice in size yeah yeah he's
2: a great character actor great Mm.
0: oh yeah it was was, he had a good performance i think he's credited as um old rich
3: man
2: rich yeah he is is he the rich guy yeah he is the yeah he's the rich man and then there's the lawyer is the other yeah rich man (laughs) yeah 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 he's the rich guy with like six kids right
1: we were doing the first half of our podcast just before we phoned you and we were joking saying oh there's that bit where um he says you know uh (laughs) <laughs> what is it? he goes oh i've got seven kids and some guy goes oh i've got 26 kids
3: yeah
2: yeah i love that part <laughs> yeah there, there's just a lot of really twisted dark humor in there that i think is is funny and 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 realistic for what we know about humanity i would say
0: it is a very great microcosmic sort of view of that and and i think one thing that must have been tricky for your performance was obviously you knew all all the way along that uh that your character was going to be essentially two characters. I should mention that our our podcast is very spoilerific, so they've they've had plenty of warning about this.
2: Oh good. good. What,
0: what was it like playing that character where you knew that you had to play it so that when people rewatch, they could maybe see the seeds of that sociopathic sort of twist by the end?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just tried to be really aware of it, um, you know, because he's pretty quiet. You know, the thing with Eric was like, he chirps in at very precise strategic moments, and then otherwise, he's very quiet and just watches. Plays it very So, smooth. yeah, so I made sure anytime I was kind of in the background, which is most, a lot of the movie, uh, to just always be very, uh, um, you know, have shifty eyes and be kind of assessing <laughs> what people are saying and um you know there were times where i tried to uh and i don't i guess if i have to watch it back i'm sure some of it's in there but you know kind of when we're voting you know kind of do a quick vote or a really Mm -hmm. you know uh, a shy vote you know um Mm -hmm. but yeah i did try to make sure that he he played kind of innocent and intellectual but um You know, whenever I felt the camera on me as an actor, I did want to make sure that I was, you know, lacing it with moments. If you go back and watch it where he's he's plotting and he's conniving in the background. And I think I've seen moments like that in the movie. So hopefully it plays. um, I'll just for people that repeat watch it.
1: Yeah, I just literally watched it um, before uh, coming on tonight. And I I was doing yeah, I was watching uh, Eric throughout as much as, you know, he's possibly on the screen when he gets in frame and to see what his actions are, because I knew that if you watch the second time round, you're going to. they I was like, oh, well, the filmmakers are clearly clever enough that they're going to have put these little tiny nuggets in there for you to notice it the second time round. What he's plotting, and um, before the big reveal's given away. And I think the, the the there's a great. I think there's a great misstep that they they throw you is that the guy who speaks up at the beginning gets killed quite quickly. So you're like, oh well, Eric's going to go because he's had the temerity to actually say something and try and figure it out. But then it's like, oh no, he's kept quiet now they've moved away and focused on other characters
2: so, yeah, you know, he kind of steps in when there when there's a moment where he can kind of switch the game up, you know, and then he he disappears again, which I thought was really cool. I, I always thought of him as like a ma i don't even i don't think he's evil or even, you know even not necessarily sociopathic i think um I think he's just a great gamer like he yeah. I thought of him as a a chess player, um you know like a a master. Chess player, and you know, just kind of got in over his head, went into that kind of fight or flight mode. Um, You know, like I've had times playing Goldeneye with my friends where I'm like, I (laughs) must win. I don't care what it takes. So I think he just got into that, you know, survivalist mode, and you know, knew he could win. Was smart enough to win. Knew how to move the chess pieces around. I mean, he was he's he's like Cersei. He's a Game of Thrones. He he, he had he had a plan, and he uh, he was not going to to lose. Um, and it definitely realized that, you know, staying quieter uh, sometimes gets you further than, than being a loud mouth.
0: Well, what we discussed earlier in the episode was how we would deal with it. And I don't have anything like the cognitive speed to do the sort of thing that Eric did. I think I'd no. be more likely to just be dumbfounded and then give myself up or something like, I'd just be one of the anonymous, you know, dead person number four. Do you know how you would have approached that, possibly before you actually got involved in the project? You know, what would have been your strategy?
2: Yeah, I don't think I would have... I don't. I definitely wouldn't have made it the way that he did. I just don't have... Uh, yeah, I don't think I... I don't have it in me. I mean, sometimes I'll play that game Mafia and oh, I'll yeah. win. You know, but usually <laughs> I get killed so early in that, like I'll get something away that. or I'll laugh or something. <laughs> um, so I don't think I would have... They're, Eric is a very specific kind of person, and like, you know, I'm pretty good at games, but there's definitely like that master level of people who are just so focused and so ambitious, and laser focused on the rules and everything and they just can always win. And uh, it's a certain kind of kind of brain and attention span, I think. And I'd, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd be out. <laughs> I'd probably be gone pretty quick.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really good understanding of people, isn't it? I mean, whenever I've played poker, I. Can't ever land on a likely uh, scenario in terms of what the other players have got. I always assume the absolute worst or the absolute best uh, that they've either got a full house or nothing at all. You know, a Royal Flush or nothing at all. And I can't have ever have a realistic view in my head of what their what cards they're holding. And I think Eric's got got that ability as I need to know how people are going to respond in, in any given situation.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think he, yep. I, he has an understanding of the rules and kind of of humanity. I think he. He's a yeah. I guess he is a bit nihilistic, um, and I think he probably is assuming the worst out of most of those people, and um, and yeah, that's just a, that's just a way of being for certain people. Um, I think you know a lot of like successful businessmen probably have that attitude, and businesswomen probably have that attitude. Um, yeah, and they're always kind of three steps ahead of you, and they're not afraid to manipulate you <laughs> and break the rules and, and all that stuff. And it's uh, yeah, it, oh, in, it, it, in it's the film personality. Limits
0: as soon as he gets the, as soon as he starts getting stronger brain power, he just becomes a very successful businessman and then runs for president. I suppose that's the kind of
2: yeah. the trajectory, yeah. is uh, Yeah, they call it successful psychopaths, I guess, right? right. Uh, I think that is a real term. And it's like, they're not killing people, but they're definitely psychopathic <laughs> in their actions and, and how they rise to the top. And um, I guess there is something to be said that, you know, a lot of successful people would probably have that and, you know, like, take no prisoners attitude. And, and it works for them. We've seen it work. Yeah, absolutely. For better or well, worse.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's, well, John Ronson, the uh, English author, he wrote that book, The uh, Psychopath Test. I think he explores the themes you were just discussing there, Michael. Um, like, you know, these people who do get to the top of certain professions, they have to have kind of a clinical view of their uh, what they're doing because that's how you get to, they get to where they are. You know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, speaking of the like, you know, the film itself, was there ever any points where they might have, was the ending always going to be that uh, Eric's character survived and that he just would do this, you know, generally quite horrific thing to survive? Or uh, was it, was there an alternate, alternative endings? Was there other endings perhaps filmed or...
2: You know, so I think before I got involved, they, they they Mario you'd have to ask Mario and Aaron, but I think they did have you know different winners at different points, or maybe the the child got away or something. The only thing that we talked about a lot that went back and forth um, that you know um, really was like 50 50 for who wanted it and who didn't was that tag at the end where you're outside of the spaceship? Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Originally, the script I read just ended in in the circle and it cut to black. And there was no explanation of, you know, whether Eric got out or if this was real or if it really was aliens or if it was, you know, some crazy reality show or, you know, you never it ended much more ambiguous. Mm -hmm. It still ends a little ambiguously, but it at least I I was in favor of adding that extra bit at the end just because, you know, like I love the movie Cube. I did not like the ending. I I didn't like the ending. Really, where it was so, so, so ambiguous. I mean, I think it it would have been a little bit more artistic if we had just ended it in a circle and you're like, okay, well, was that real? And what, you know, I guess it would leave the viewer's mind with a little bit more of an open imagination. But I kind of felt like one, you know, we were able to, you know, my brother designed the spaceships and stuff like that, so we were able to do it, and um, and it just gave you a little bit more confirmation of what was happening. And, but literally everybody kind of, we all disagreed on it. Um, uh, some people really wanted that extra bit. Some people were totally opposed to it. I've, I've seen reviews and, and audience reviews and stuff that go either way. Yeah. Um, people still ask us all the time, what did the ending mean? So it's like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's not, you know, um, it's so not so
0: transparent.
2: Yeah, it's not like putting a total bow on it and being explicitly, you know, like, this is the end and this is what happened. Um, so it's yeah. still a little mysterious. I know it's mysterious because people ask us, what did the ending mean? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, we'll always wonder, like, should we have just ended it in the circle and have that been it? That maybe, that would have been a more kind That's of... That's how I uh, thought it was
1: going to end, personally. Yeah? Would you have preferred yeah. that? Um, I think it's because it is a stereotype where, with the films of these, like, these, like, this nature they do leave it so like like you said let your imagination decide whether this like you said whether it was a show whether it was aliens um, yeah and i i'm i'm somebody who likes a bit of a resolution sometimes with films when it comes to this so when he steps out it it's like okay so you've got the premise they were right they did get abducted but then you're left with all the questions of like so when he go when eric goes up to the other people and they're all looking up at the spaceships So are they people who played the game? Are they people who just happened to be looking at them and it just happens to be a group of people who represented some of the people that were in the room, uh, in the circle with the other, uh, the circle we saw as audience? So, yeah, it it opens more questions. So I I prefer it personally.
0: Yeah, for me, I think it answered some and and left some open. I think if it had just ended in the room, it would have been so open that I wouldn't have enjoyed speculating. But because there is some satisfaction to it, then I can say, well, it's aliens, so therefore I can, I can run with that and think, well, are they just testing out humans to see if we can join the intergalactic federation of <laughs> nice planets? Or do they find out that humans are actually not fit for that? And uh, <laughs> is it Eric's fault that <laughs> we're not in that, in that zone?
1: I do like yeah. the fact that you never find out that, that you don't know actually why they did it. They just they did yeah. it, and he gets yeah. out.
2: Oh yeah, I love that too because there's so many different reasons you could think of of why yeah. what their purpose was, and I, I'm glad you guys responded to the, the ending kind of out of the, the ship tag. Because um, I think, yeah, I had I had just seen so many movies that year that ended so ambiguously, where I was like, oh, not. Let's just give like people a little bit, you know, if yeah, as much time. Something to because there were like three or four movies that year that just ended abruptly like that. Now, I like that. I'm actually back into liking that now. But at the time, I was like, oh, come on. Let's just let's you know. <laughs> And, the, and Mario and Aaron had already, like, hinted that they had thought about something like that. So I was like, let's, 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 let's do it. <laughs> let's give them a little bit <laughs> yeah. more. I mean, it, um, it
0: does open the door to a sequel. Is that ever something that, that Mario has spoken to you about?
2: we talk about it a lot um, oh, um yes i yeah i'm probably more gung-ho to do it than he is i think he's like let's really wait until we really nail what the story is and i feel like we ha- well i'm like we've already talked about the ideas we've got it nail let's go <laughs> um because we have we have some like pretty explicit ideas on like what it would look like um but i think he's being a little more protective over it which is cool with me because i don't you know don't want to do anything that doesn't feel kind of authentically driven by, you know, wanting to tell a, a really amazing story. So if he doesn't feel like it's there yet, then um, that's cool. We can we can wait. Um, but I would love to do it. And I think he would love to do it. And I think there's more story to tell. And it seems like people watching it want to more. So I would say at some point it'll probably happen. It'd be great. Yeah. It. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. Go on. No, you go on.
0: I was going to say that there's, a, there's probably a good film to be written wherein literally the first scene is, is Eric turning up seeing those other people and then over the course of the film you find out what happened to them all you know it could be a film that works backwards and you find out that eric is actually there because he's essentially killed um a young girl and a a pregnant woman and then you know and and the sort of recrimination as to how he could be there Uh, and it'd be be quite a good thing to 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 find out as it transpires and obviously a sequel could deal with something like that
2: yeah i definitely like survivor's remorse survivor's guilt and then and what the world looks like where you know there's basically killers walking around and and how they got there yeah well yeah exactly and i think the idea was like you know i think the last scene kind of suggests that maybe other circles were more humane Mm -hmm. uh in a sense where they they let two guys (laughs) yeah yeah exactly the the jerks eric and yeah you see there's like pregnant women and children that survive so i think other circles probably went more in like the traditional kind of like Mm -hmm. women and children first survive um, yeah. But the one that we saw in our movie is just like partic- got particularly nasty. Um, Which is more But I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean that's why it's the movie you're watching. You just you know yeah. that's why that was the story they picked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love to explore more. Uh, I think Mario's hesitant to like do too much on Eric, but I'm like, come on, Eric's alive, and I, you know, selfishly, me as the actor, I'm like, come on, let's <laughs> let's, let's, let's let's go. Yeah, get um, yeah, like, on Eric. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah, to, totally.
1: It would be great to see a film where they, you know, you do have a. F- a room full of 50 survivors and it's like they know what this game is about you know or at least a good you know good 40 50 percent of them know that this game is you know like a zero-sum game and if they don't vote the right way that they're gonna die you yeah
2: all-stars yeah survivor all <laughs> yeah stars. Yeah, all stars. yeah i think they're uh it'd be, it'd be fun to explore what happened after Um, you know in that sort of new world order where the circle was like the the norm that they'd all experienced Um, and then also um, maybe I think uh, see some other parts of of the ship you know there could be other maybe the circle is not the only kind of uh, experiment happening
1: I do like the fact that the questions never really answered of like um, is it the uh, cancer lady she says oh well maybe it's about you know who's good and who's bad, and that nonsense never—it's—it's it's addressed, but it's never answered. I liked that yeah, yeah. aspect of it. That was uh, very interesting.
2: Yeah, that's kind of like the more I think religious take on
1: it—that
2: mm-hmm. um, that they're being judged for, you know, how good or bad they are, or what sins they've done, and everything. Um, yeah, is, I think, I think yeah.
0: job they had to determine their worth, and that sort of thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I love that religion was like an, a a topic that brought that got mm-hmm. brought up and was featured pretty significantly in there because I feel like that. Would absolutely be something that you know, more than one people would be talking about in a situation like the circle.
0: Yeah, and I thought it was a it was a fairly rash decision for the the man creditors as the atheist to to go on such a rant, knowing that he was in the minority and that it would put a target on his head on his head essentially. Um, and there was a few of those things. People would have a strong view on something, and they would really put a target on themselves by talking about it.
2: Yeah, I think that's fun when people watch it because they're like, "How is this person still alive after (laughs) all that they've said and exposed about themselves?" (laughs) But I mean, you look at the real world, and you know, I mean, not not to get too political, but it's like that happens. Like people Mm -hmm. have you know nastier things exposed about them, and they still succeed um, and still have you know um, (laughs) support and everything, and it happens. Yeah. well yeah <laughs> i mean that's that's that, i mean that's a thing that happened and it happens on both sides and it happens in um entertainment and it happens yeah. in you know it certainly
0: happens in the uk as well at the moment our, our political system at the moment it's uh it seems to be rewarding the wrong sort of thing mm. yeah
2: i mean it's yeah it, it's it, you know it happened in the first season of survivor i don't know if you watched that but mm. we we're like well, yeah how did this guy win he was the jerk <laughs> the whole time yeah. but um sometimes um I don't even want to say like sometimes bad guys win, but sometimes, you know, the, the people that play the game, the nastiest win. That's Absolutely, interesting. Yeah. Cause... And sometimes they deserve to. <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> That's interesting because in this country, um, we had, when Big Brother, the first series that we had of that in 2000, um, there was a, it was the most controversial series because one of the people in there tried to play the game. Uh, guy, What was his name? Was, Nasty Nigel. Nasty Nick, wasn't it? Nasty Nick, there. <laughs> yeah, and he was caught out, and it was a massive scandal over here. Within like the new, it was on the news. <laughs> I'm sure it was like the headline of like yeah, the yeah, six o'clock page. news. Yeah, and all this. So, it, it's interesting that in this film they went with right. We'll make the guy who wins, the guy who seems the most sympathetic towards the child and the woman, and make them, you know, the focal point of this. This what drives the narrative. I thought that was quite fascinating. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. That's that's Mario and Aaron being pretty, uh, pretty twisted the way that they kind of like pulled the (laughs) rug out from under you. Um, Which I appreciated because it's like you know we've all at this point in history of like movies and television we've all seen the obvious things play out so many times um, that 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 it was you know risky for them to go there and do that and it obviously offended a lot of people, but. It's a reality. It's a, a realistic outcome for what could happen in that situation. So um, I was, um, you know, I don't want to say happy that they killed the mother and child. It's dark, <laughs> but like, you know, good on them for telling a new story, you know, and yeah. telling things. And it's and it's realistic. It's not like they did it for shock value. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a, a realistic outcome in a life and death scenario. Um and you know, we've it would be easy to just have some happy ending where they get out, but it's like that's not how it's gonna happen in every circle. <laughs> Yeah. I
0: do. I do worry about the experiments they must have done to get this accurate portrayal of human, <laughs> of human psychology. I don't know what they've been up to to. to find yeah, I know. You have to ask
2: them. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I, was innocent. I just, uh, you know, I just read the lines that they gave me. Although I produced it, so who am I? You know, I'm just guilty, I guess. So enable <laughs> it. Yeah, I enabled them. I was like, "Come on, do it." <laughs>
1: Um, so you go, so yeah, as we were discussing off air, um, so we were telling you the conceit of our podcast is film like very famous films that you haven't seen. Um, as Sam mentioned, oh, he'd yeah. never seen this. He hadn't seen Empire Strikes Back. Um, so we were wondering what film it was, or a few films that you haven't, that really famous that you haven't seen, Michael.
2: Yeah, it just came up recently. I haven't seen Gone Gone with the Wind yet, which is crazy because mm-hmm. I love you know, film classics and all that. And you I mean, I've seen parts of it, but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. And it's I really want point. to. Yeah, there's no reason why I haven't yet. Just, I just haven't. And it's like, why haven't I watched that yet? Why am I watching this, <laughs> this like, dumb movie today? I could be watching Donald Trump. <laughs> But it's. I think like if you wait that long, it's almost like losing your virginity. You're like, I want to make sure I do it. I want to do it right. I want to make sure I, I do this the right way. And I'm, yeah, I want to make sure it's special and I'm focused and there's good sound and good picture quality. I'm not just gonna waste it on the airplane. So um, that and then I haven't finished. I I watched the first season of The Wire a couple oh. of years ago and then for some reason just got distracted and didn't finish it. And I I, ha- I have so many regrets about. It. I'm like, God, I'm guilty damn it, I need to finish stuff. The Wire because <laughs> it's like that is the like seminal TV show that everybody. Well, there's there's a couple of them, but I like I've seen yeah. Sopranos, I've seen Lost and Buffy and Battlestar. You know, like a lot of the classics that started this. You know, like don't, Breaking Bad God, started the golden age, but not The Wire. I got to finish it.
1: Don't feel guilty about The Wire because I've not seen The Wire either. And I've i realized a couple of years ago that because it was made, like, over 10 years ago, what was it, 2003 or four, when it started? I was like, well, it's going to be good, but it might have lost a little bit of currency I, and relevancy. I can
0: tell you it, it hasn't. It Has hasn't. it not? It's, it's still great. It's still great. And I, I, it took me a while to get into it. I, I watched the first three or four episodes, and then a year later I watched the same three or four episodes, and then about a year later I started properly and didn't stop. And, uh, yeah, I think it's still worth well worth doing because it, it's still really really relevant in the processes and it's it's just off the back of September 11th so a lot of the funding is taken away from the war on drugs for for the war on terror but it's still Mm. dealing with the drug trade and yeah i I could could, this could be a whole other podcast but uh yeah i'd still recommend you both go and watch the wire at
2: some point yeah it's like the great american novel of television Mm -hmm. so uh, i definitely (laughs) have to i definitely need to watch it i will damn it um but you know it's just like you know now there's so many things you're, you're expected to watch um
1: Yes. you can't find time for everything. That's what I always keep telling. No, people.
2: it's too much. That's why I've almost gone back to like watching more classics and actually older movies that I haven't seen. Um, just because I can't keep up with all the new stuff. Sometimes, I mean, I shouldn't say that because we just released a TV show <laughs> that I hope people watch that we're about to. Um, <laughs> that we're, yeah,
0: we're about to advertise. Yeah, it is tricky. I think you're right. The films that are currently out will battle amongst themselves, and in ten years, twenty years time, you'll find out which ones stuck as classics, and you can. You can watch them down the line, but Dark Web is an instant classic. So, listeners, you should watch that.
1: Yep worth worth the uh, worth the hours that one. Yeah, absolutely. Would you um, like to give it a wee plug there, Michael? <laughs> tell tell, <laughs> your, tell our listeners about your new project or your oh, new, yeah, you a new project. Yeah,
2: yeah. Did I segue into that conveniently? Yeah, yeah very good. <laughs> <You did. laughs> um I've been I've been plugging Dark Web a lot lately, so I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm natural at it now. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I would love people to watch. I mean, if you like Circle, um, chances are you'll probably like Dark Web, uh, I think. Um, it's from a lot of the same uh, 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 filmmakers and uh, and new ones, new filmmakers as well. And a lot of Circle cast members. I was going to say, yeah, it. all over. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You, might, I mean, some are very obvious and then there's some if you're paying close attention just in, like, you know, website imagery and stuff that pops up <laughs> in the show. Yeah. You might be like, oh, there's so-and-so from Circle. I saw um,
0: Mario's name in the in the guy's email inbox. I think it's yeah, in the first Yeah, is that funny? Right yeah,
2: Mario emailed the guy, and then there's also like, <laughs> is your penis big enough and all those stuff that, like, everybody... Yeah, if you pause... Okay, that's, I like, did. the Easter egg for Dark yeah. Web. If you pause some of those screens, <laughs> there is some really funny... <laughs> stupid stuff. Because um, <laughs> we were like stuck making... To... Sorry, go
0: ahead. I was going to say, it's like any time in Black Mirror that there's a new scroll. That's when you know the Easter, Easter eggs are coming. You know, that's where it's going to be.
2: Yeah. Oh, see, I haven't seen all of Black Mirror. People think I have, but I haven't watched every episode, so I don't. I actually don't know that. But... Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I guess it's similar with ours, though. But I think it's just because we were in post for so long that we were, like, spending all these late nights doing graphics and editing. <laughs> and we were like, ah, oh, we need to entertain ourselves somehow. So yeah. there is some twisted shit. And if you, <laughs> if you <laughs> pause some of those screens or just dumb, <laughs> like, absurd humor. Um, but yeah, that's good Good eye. You caught Mario in there. Um, Mario, Mario has a voice cameo in the show, too. so. Oh, yeah? I, keep your ears peeled actually more than one now that I think about it um in the first and seventh episode um but okay, so we're encouraging yeah, our so, listeners
0: to watch it again. If you've seen
2: it, watch it again. Watch it. Yeah, how? Watch it again. There's so many. There's Easter eggs upon Easter eggs upon Easter eggs. Um, what could Easter be Easter exception? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Easter exception. Yeah, and obviously, you guys don't. You know, no. Everybody has enough time to watch Dark Web five five times in a row. You guys aren't busy at all, right? No, no, no. Um, no. I mean, he's a teacher. so he's, got, he's on holiday now.
0: <laughs> I mean, my, my daughter's two now. She can basically look after herself. You
2: know. <laughs> You know, you can assign it to your students, watch Dark Web and find the Easter eggs and, <laughs> yeah. and report back and, and I'll confirm them.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but no. OK, so I have to pitch it to your viewers, your, your listeners. Um, but it's so it's Dark Web. It's an eight episode um, anthology show in the vein of like Twilight Zone or Black Mirror. But it, the twist or the, the thing that's different about it that made us excited or was unique is that it has a connective tissue. So there's an there's a storyline that connects these these six so it's eight episodes there's six anthology segments in it, um, and there's this story about a a girl named Molly who's who's disappeared that connects all of these anthology segments into one one gigantic puzzle um, and the idea is that you know as you watch it, you realize everything's connected, um, which is a metaphor for the way that we're all connected nowadays mm-hmm. through the internet through the dark web specifically and through technology um, and uh, and and we Felt like our unique point of view on this story was that we are the first generation, the last generation, really, that's going to remember the analog world that we grew up with and has had to sort of dive headfirst into this digital tech craze landscape that we now live in today. So, um, you know, it, it actually authentically came from like a very emotional place and an emotional point of view of like, how we feel about the world now and how technology is changing us, the way we interact, the way we think, the way we learn, the way we fall in love. Um, So all of that's there. And then there's, you know, some blood and guts, too. (laughs) (laughs) Give the people what they want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Got to keep you entertained.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it sounds very exciting So people uh, listening to this. Go watch that. Uh, Give yourself a good eight hours and enjoy yourself. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, the characters are well,
0: essentially never without a device in their hands. It's, uh, it's There's a lot of good message. There's a lot of um, interesting comments, really, on on what we're like these
1: days. Very prescient message, isn't it? You know, that, yeah. like you said, uh, Michael, that we are the last generation, aren't we, that? we had to remember the phone numbers of our friends, family.
2: <laughs> you know, we I still didn't remember them. them.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just even little things like that. Or like, I remember the first time I would see billboards with a, a web, like a, a oh, worldwide yeah. web address on me, Like, What is that? What, what is that? <laughs> like the fact that I was a kid saying, what is the internet? is so crazy. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, that we lived through that. Cause it's never going to be like that again. Like, you know, my, my nephew and nieces are outside and they're already on like, uh, they're outside right now. They're already on iPads and one of them's on Instagram. <laughs> and it's like the fact that that's the new normal for them yeah. is uh, kind of weird. So it's, I think, you know, not that we're doing a public service with dark web, you know, it's meant to be entertaining. But, um, but you know, it is kind of a good uh, like time, what do they call those things that you bury time vessel or whatever, no, no, time, you know, know what you time capsule, you know, mm-hmm. marking us as this generation that was like the first one that accepted so much technology in their lives and we're going to wind up regretting it. <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe we'll be okay.
0: But um, it's our job but yeah. as a generation to be scared of this thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, we should be. Cause we did really like embrace it. In our, like, like I was thinking about it today. The fact that we just have like Alexa in our bedrooms and in our kitchens and everything like that's kind of crazy mm. and we've had how many decades of watching like terminator movies yeah seriously like we Sarah are watching kind of cyberdyne vein. form before our very eyes <laughs> yeah. although i shouldn't say that because dark web is like on one of the potential cyberdyne successors yeah i mean we're, yeah.
0: we're literally relying on about seven devices to get this conversation working
2: <laughs> and yeah. then get yeah. it oh i know Oh, but it's it, so it, crazy that,
1: it's that argument isn't it that well we do remember what it was like before those do you remember when you know if you wanted to look something up if you didn't know somebody who knew the answer or you didn't have the book that had the answer and you couldn't get to the library or get the encyclopedia you weren't knowing that answer were you crazy. and now you've got all this information at your fingertips which i think i yeah i tend to think it's the it, it is what is left behind but at the same time what have we gained and it, is that equation in our favor have we gained more than we've lost i think that's well
2: it's yeah we have like the some source of all human knowledge at our fingertips with the phone um which is great like if i don't know something i'll look it up, and then all of a sudden i know it but i mean i do feel like it's changing my brain where it's like somebody will ask me a question i'll be like um shoot i know this but i don't you know it's like my yeah. my recall my recall is not what it used to be, Um, and I do feel more scattered nowadays, too, because I have messages coming in here and there, and, you know, Facebook messages and texts, and there's this expectation that you're supposed to be always kind of connected and available, Um, and it gives me anxiety. It really does. It really
0: uh, does, yeah. You hear about, I think, in fact, it was, I think it's an episode four or five uh, of Dark Web. There's a discussion about, uh, what is it, uh, device-free retreats. People go and they leave all their devices away, you know. Yes. And they just exist which, without that anxiety.
2: When we wrote that, I thought that was, a, I thought like, you know, James in, in that moment is kind of mocking them, mm-hmm. which was my own reaction <laughs> of like, oh, that's so stupid. But literally <laughs> in the last couple of months, I've been like, I need to find, I'm, I've i looked him up online. Like I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to go to a, a digital detox for sure. And I used to think that was the dumbest thing, but now I need one.
0: Now, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I'm just tense all the time. <laughs> when you hear a notification on an advert, you, you sort of tense up and look at your phone.
2: Oh, I know, right? It's it, it is just like the burden of always feeling like you have to be available or, or um, connected, and mm. if you're not, you're like, oh no, what am I missing? And or, what am I, you know, what important email am I'm I not responding to? Yeah, yeah it's so hard. It's so hard. No, <laughs> my friend's dad was <laughs> saying, you
1: know. uh, my friend's dad was saying that oh, when they were like young and they used to go to the pub and it would be like when they got there, it'd be like, oh, is Steve coming. He's like, we well, he said he was all right we'll, it. we'll see if he turns up <laughs> you know it's not now we'd be all texting ringing him Going, are you coming where are you where, where yeah are you? how dare you, know, you. you know, <laughs> yeah you said you were coming tonight and you're not here you better get here you know yeah so that's
2: how dare it. you not post your status on facebook
0: <laughs> you, better you can shoot. actually ruin your friendship if
2: somebody takes an hour to
0: reply to a message you know,
2: you know <laughs> screw that guy do i really want to be friends with him i know <laughs> isn't that crazy and just like the way people date now is totally mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. and yeah. um you know, but I think there's good. I mean, we all we're all talking about like all the cautionary tale aspects of it, but there's good stuff too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I literally I met my partner online, and you know, without that, I wouldn't have my daughter and and all that. So it is brilliant. It's 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 so easy to be doomsday about it and feel like you know, a hundred years ago, people were complaining that their children were reading too many novels or something like that, <laughs> or listening yeah. to the radio too much.
2: And that's where I think like you know, Dark Web's a little different than Black Mirror. Like I said, I haven't watched all the episodes, but I think um it seems like they're a little bit more uh well one, it seems like most of their episodes are a little bit further in the future. Ours are more a little more present day.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
2: um, you know, I, I think they're a little bit more nihilistic than we are, which seems crazy because a lot of our episodes end with like a of people dying dying <laughs> as a result of their technology. But if you watch the last episode, my interpretation is that there's like this idea of like, if you can lace technology with a little bit more humanity, there's mm-hmm. there's a balance there that could be good. Um, and I think there are like, the way that it connects people, like I got to talk to my grandmother before she passed away on FaceTime, you know, even though we were, you know, miles and miles, you know, cities, states apart, which is mm-hmm. like, is, you know, meaningful. And that's, that's like a great use of technology um, that I, you know, that would have happened if I didn't have FaceTime. And, you know, people, you know, my nephew's learning how to read by age three, which is great. Like, it's, wow, yeah. you know, the educational tools that it, it provides are unparalleled. And, you know, also just from like an artistic form, like the fact that we can do our, our series Dark Web independently and make it our way and then use this, you know, digital platform that is Amazon and and to be, you know, embraced by them and have it seen worldwide is crazy. It's awesome. You couldn't have done that, like, five or ten years ago. Oh, so, absolutely,
0: yeah. I mean, even Mario's kind of, one of his first big projects was The Vault, and that was in his friend's basement, I think, was it? And, you know, yeah. a, few ca- a few cameras and a few props, and, and you're away, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's great. Like, that's great that artists now don't have to wait for the industry to find them. They can do their thing and, and tell authentic stories, and then the industry, you know, they're not chasing the industry. The industry finds them, you know? Yeah. And that's great. That's what it should be. Yeah. So,
0: what what is the what is the sort of practicality uh, of of your relationship with Amazon? Is is it that you how does that work from a production level? Are you producing it and then giving it to them? Do they fund it? How does that work?
2: No, it was funded completely. Circle, you know, same thing with Circle. Um, you know, independently financed, independently produced. Um, you know, it's a matter of just you know finding your financial partners and putting the project together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, dark web was kind of the next step in that circle was very contained, you know, one location mostly, except for that final scene at the end (laughs) shot in like half a day. Um, so dark web was definitely more ambitious, but you know, hopefully each time we can get a little, a little bigger and more ambitious. Um, but I like working in the indie space and we, you know, we did both of those ourselves and got circle into a film festival and that's how Netflix, um, saw it and got wind of it and acquired it from us uh, for 10 years and um, a similar thing with, uh, with dark web. Um, we, we finished it and did it our own way. And, you know, we just had a comic con panel that we, we kind of got on our own and did a premiere there and, you know, um, used our, uh, our Rolodex of contacts to get it to Amazon and some of the other places you would expect. And, um, and Amazon just seemed the most excited about it. Um, they seemed to really be embracing independent content in a great way that, um, you know, let's indie filmmakers and indie producers use their amazing, crazy network, uh, which is Amazon Prime Video, um, that they, they've already established. And now people all over the world can watch Dark Web. Um, but no, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't fund it, um, they licensed it. And, uh, and, and that was the same with uh, Circle and Netflix.
0: That's great. I mean, it gives you so much more freedom, doesn't it, as a filmmaker?
2: Yeah, it does. It just, it's a little, it's very risky and very scary, um, you know, with both projects. There was definitely a period of like, oh, geez, is this going to go anywhere? Um, most people reject material like Circle and um, Dark Web immediately because it doesn't have Julia Roberts or George Clooney in it. <laughs> um, you know, we had sales agents at different points on both those projects and they were like, I can't do anything with this. There's nothing I can do. I can't sell it. It doesn't have anybody in it. It's too weird. Nobody's gonna watch it. You know, nothing. Yeah, um, I think for so, that
1: was a, that was a that you know was a big benefit to it was because yeah, it was more it was more realistic of well right these people have been taken from a specific location and they were just acting how they would you know yeah and, it, and see it was, the, yeah it was only until about I think maybe an hour into it, I was like, oh, that's Julie Benz. She was in Dexter. Uh, yeah. Is that Darla? <laughs> yeah. because I think if,
0: if Eric had been played by Jesse Eisenberg, you'd have this, you'd have this baggage of, well, he's likely to have these traits and therefore, you know, and he's more likely course, to be tiny. Of course, of course, know, the...
2: yeah. Or like, he got the biggest payday, so of course he's going to win, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, or like, oh, why did he do this? Oh, he only had to work a day and he's dead already. Yeah, um, exactly. So, but yeah, like, we know that. We're like film fans and we know that. But I think, you know, people that are in the entertainment industry but are more kind of unlike the financial or business side, you know, they're not watching as much content as we are, um, you know, like if you're an, a sales agent and you have, you know, a family to feed, and you have eight projects on your desk at one point, you're going to gravitate and spend more time on the the quickest sell, yeah. you know, which yeah, is the one yeah, that yeah. starts. And then like some weird thing comes your way, like circle, and you're like, oh, I don't even know what to do with this, like, <laughs> you know. And it sucks for us. It was like always um, um, disappointing when you get bad news from them. Like, I can't sell this, but it. Forced us to, you know, be proactive and kind of do our own thing and get the movies into festivals or Comic Con or whatever. And um, and luckily, both times we f- we found our home. <laughs> you know, it just yeah, it's all, it takes a lot longer and is is you know very disheartening for a while because you're like, oh my god, we put our heart and soul into this and nobody wants it. Um, but then luckily, you know, was Circle it wound up on Netflix and we're still talking about it today which yeah. is great, oh, yeah, and Dark yeah. Web seems yeah. like people are, are watching it and enjoying it now. It's been out, I think, two weeks at this point, and I know I'm getting a lot of messages about it. Do you so... guys get to see the numbers for who are viewing it? or Because uh, like, I know Amazon and
1: Netflix are quite secretive about, you know, how who's watching what, aren't they? I think that's my understanding of Yeah,
2: it. they are secretive, so I guess I probably don't want to answer it too, too specifically. <laughs> um, I've heard Room, like room estimates through the, the grapevine uh, for, for both of them. I mean, dark web, it's hard to say cause it just came out. Um, but I mean, I can normally just tell from like Twitter reactions or like messages I get on Instagram or Facebook, particularly with circle. Cause it still happens like every week for me where somebody's like, I just watched this and I thought it was cool. <laughs> and what was the deal with this? And I'm like, God, you guys are still watching circle. I'm like, that's, that's great. It's such um, an
0: effective, intriguing film. Like it's a sort of film that in the, in the late nineties, I would have, Found at 2 a.m. on Channel 4, and, and I don't know what the sort of US equivalent of that would be, but an indie movie that that is just sort of being shown. It's not as it, it's not the big new Bruce Willis blockbuster or something like that, but it's an interesting film. And I would I would call a friend and say, "Are you watching this? Have you seen this interesting <laughs> cool film?" And that's what's great about Netflix, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: what are you texted me at 4 a.m. <laughs> I go to sleep. <laughs>
2: Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's what I was saying. That's why, techno- I mean, there are good things to technology because now there's things like Netflix and Amazon where tiny, weird movies like Circle can actually get to, like, millions of people worldwide relatively easily. And I think that is so good. Like, thank God for that. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, that's,
0: I, I, that's process now.
2: like, I remember when I found Battle Royale for the first time. I oh, show oh, it to me. Fair, yeah. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> and I was like, I love it and and i think that's cool that like you know our projects are kind of like indie under the radar and people find them and they're like where did this come from like i think it's cool to be yeah. the uh grassroots kind of underdog and let people kind of have their own interpretations of it and not be told what it is and and, and all those things they just come into it kind of fresh with yeah, with so fresh you know voices yeah. Yeah.
0: because yeah. Cause it is such a cause it is such a business now that you know if i i don't know Uh, if a new Jurassic World film came out, I feel like I wouldn't need to watch that because you sort of vaguely know what it's going to be like and what it's going to be about and, you know, that star's in it so they're probably not going to die, at least not not in that scene and and so on. It's so much more interesting to be making these cool, completely unpredictable
2: projects. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I agree 100%. It's just, you know, the risk is they don't go anywhere or people don't watch them. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's a big risk, and, and you definitely hit a lot of uh, roadblocks on the way, um, for sure, for both of these. Both of these, there were points in time where we were like, oh, my God, nothing's going to come from this. It's not going to happen. You no know, one see it. Like, we wasted our time. We, we, it's too weird. It's too niche. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's just the – it's really scary when you get to those points because you spend so much time on it. But luckily, we've, we've gotten lucky on both of them, um, I think. And um, – and, and yeah but it it's it's hard because I, I definitely want to watch more original content I, I, I'm getting very tired with like the nostalgic remit I feel like it's mm. it's reached the saturation point for me that said they still get me almost every time <laughs> I still go and <laughs> still sometimes they're really goodness. good I've either have you yeah.
1: seen the new like Lion King or uh, Aladdin I've not seen either of those no interest. Yeah,
2: I've I started. I watched most of the Disney, you know, like live action remakes. I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll will still watch them, but um, I would like some new stories. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> like, nice. I Yeah, I, I'm more excited to see like this new Pixar movie that's coming out, and you mm-hmm. know, experience something new. Yeah. Um, but it is funny or fun to go down like the nostalgia road uh, as well. But I think there's like a way you can do it, like the last season of Twin Peaks. Played on nostalgia but it also didn't give you everything you wanted or gave mm. you things you wanted in a different way it was a different vibe than the original series but i loved it um so you know like even if you're going down the nostalgic you know um you know cash in on nostalgia i think you can still do it in like a provocative way
0: yeah, yeah. it has to be something new in our previous episode last week we did uh, rogue one um so that's the third Star Wars film I've now seen yeah of course and (laughs) that that I think did a good job of fan service but also trying to add a little bit of something new doing it in a different way with different visual aesthetic
2: yeah I still showing
0: the guys on their way to the diner (laughs) that sort of
2: thing uh, yeah it added new information to the story that you didn't already have but Mm -hmm. it felt like um interesting it wasn't just like um you know a typical prequel of like this guy wound up in a wheelchair this way and this guy got his (laughs) his nickname like i hate those ones where it's like just like oh this is how so-and-so got his nickname and yeah or like whatever and it's like this
0: is where wolverine "Um, got his leather jacket from oh yeah it's like i don't really
2: need to see that like yeah you know if that was important the imagination (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, if that was important information, we would have gotten it in the first story. You know, like, <laughs> sure. If it was really exciting, did you George see Lucas the... would have been like, let's put this <laughs> in the first one.
1: Did you see the solo movie, the Han Solo film?
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah,
1: it's like, oh, so that's how he got his name. I don't, like you said, you don't care. It's like, oh, that's how he got his scar again. I mean, he would be, that character if he was a real person, would be have scars all over his body? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, there were parts of that movie that were cool, but yes. There yeah, was definitely, there definitely, like, eye rolls i like prequel prequelitis moments where i was like really like they they knew what they were doing with rogue one did they not like why why are we learning nicknames now and how so and so i was like no no and they do that i feel like i've seen that in like some of the x-men movies too where they show how whatever such and such happened and it's like i don't know i already had that information i didn't really need to see it
0: yeah, yeah, it shouldn't I'd be like, a plot point. It should maybe be a cool Easter egg in the background or something, but it shouldn't be. That's the culmination of that act. I'm definitely
1: great <laughs> now that it's gone back to Marvel, and they're, they're probably going to give it a few years. I think this yeah. the, the noise coming out of them, and they're just going to hopefully just build it slowly but surely. And yeah, I think that's I think that's the best thing for everyone. Really, I don't know yeah, what you I guys think, think,
2: but have it all under one roof. Yeah, yeah
1: and you know, try Fantastic Four again. Yeah, I think I think they will make a good Fantastic Four film eventually. It makes you feel
0: a <laughs> bit sorry for people like uh, Miles Teller that they they were What
1: was it? Two years ago they made that new one, that, and then, that's in, not canon. Four or? years ago now, is it? Four 2000? years ago. Exactly. Fantastic Four stick as it gets lambasted as being called. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, what would you say? Uh, some of your some of your big influences in in film terms.
2: Um, biggest influences are. Definitely grew up loving Hitchcock. Everybody oh, yeah. Um, I was exposed to it at a, like a really young age. Uh, which, I, uh, as I can see hey, from
0: dark web, it's it's had an effect.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm happy about it. <laughs> uh, maybe it made me a little more paranoid than I would be if I hadn't. But um, oh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um but I don't like say it's such a huge range because like I watched a lot of musicals growing up. Wizard of Oz was my the first movie I ever saw, and mm. and um one of my I mean maybe my favorite. Um, you know, Dark Web like X Files was a huge reference for me. I loved that oh, show. Cool. Um you know, I definitely started off with the more mainstream uh stuff and then by the time I got the Ow sorry. got <laughs> <Stubbed> my toe. <laughs> sorry. Um and by the time Let I got out. to uh, <laughs> yeah that that was my Hitchcock moment. Um ow, got stabbed. Um <laughs> got into more um uh, uh, like indie cinema and international cinema um but yeah i mean i definitely star wars was huge and indiana jones and i'm a huge star trek fan and yeah you know the twilight so, yeah oh i love star trek oh yes yeah, looking forward to picard. <laughs> i am looking forward to picard big time i'm so yeah. excited they're bringing him back i love the original series though and i, I love the original um films with the original cast oh i love them um there's uh, something you know, Rath- on the wing <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's his twilight zone episode right yeah 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 that's...
0: most of my knowledge of twilight zone started with the simpsons um, <laughs> and their treehouse <laughs> episodes and then i went back and watched a few and i was like oh i've seen that in the simpsons i've seen the monkey's paw i've seen the the thing on the wing i've seen you know i've seen all of them
2: yeah, it's funny when, like, people, like, yeah, cartoons have satirized that stuff, and then you <laughs> yeah. actually see the source material, and you're like, oh, that's where that was from. Like, yeah. I thought it was funny already, but now I know why. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so those were all the, yeah, those, I'm trying to think, and, yeah, I'm a huge David Lynch fan, like I said, Twin Peaks mm-hmm. is major, 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 um, and that was a huge <laughs> Now, he's not, he's not somebody slayer.
0: who's into, uh, into giving a, a satisfying t- a bow at the end of a film, is he? You know, he's, he's somebody who'll leave that... He'll leave that for the forum boards to to light up and get talking about
2: well yeah i guess it depends on how you interpret his endings you know I think <laughs> there's a way you can interpret him that is sometimes a happy ending or you know really sad and depressing i guess it depends yeah. um and i love tarantino movies kill bill mm-hmm. is like such a huge influence for me and all of his stuff really and i just saw once upon a time in hollywood and i oh, thought that was great about... yeah oh,
1: we've not seen it yet we were um me and Sam were saying we'd never actually seen um, a Tarantino movie in the cinema. It was just one of those bad timing things. So we were like, we've got to go see this in the cinema together and enjoy yeah, it. In that's, uh, that's
2: practically. Oh yeah. It. That's exciting. And that's like one of the, you know, there aren't movies that are made like that very often anymore. Like I saw at the Hollywood, um, at the Hollywood dome in 70 millimeter. And it was like, all right, this is like real. It just feels like <laughs> real film, you know? You're yeah. like, oh, this is a real movie. I love like the big, disney franchise blockbusters but i there is something that's like feels like a real movie sometimes when you watch like a tarantino um original story shot on film you know mm. projected on film you're like this, this is so what it's supposed to be on this on is there. pure <laughs>
1: yeah speaking of style did you guys miss the uh, cigarette burn on the, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> frames
2: like, yeah, you i do you
1: didn't yeah, it's mad, isn't it? You just it went away, and then you were like, "Oh, that's gone now, isn't it?" And you <laughs> well, it's not it. gone. It's
2: not gone because I put it in my logo for felt. Uh, if you watch Dark Web, the opening oh, logo yeah? is felt films, and I made sure we had that. I think that's it's called right. a real, real Q or a Q, real Q. I think it's real R E E L Q. Um, I made sure we put that in there. It's kind of like a little bit of a love letter to old cinema. Yeah, um, but good. I miss like film grain. I mean, I like. I don't yeah. like. Um, you know nowadays all, most movies are projected dcp um and i, I don't yeah I, I miss real uh real film that had the grain and had the imperfections and everything sometimes now at the cinema i feel like i'm just watching a big tv screen mm-hmm. and uh and i and i don't like it i don't like it
1: i think some of the things we get one of the big criticisms is that like you get a bit of lot of loss of light in a lot of uh, you know around the edges of a lot of screens so they'll like like you said they'll film it in like 1080p or whatever or they'll, they'll project it but it'll lose you, you, you it can be a bit flat sometimes where when you watch something in you know 70 millimeter it's it it pops a bit more doesn't it you know there's a more depth to it i think
2: yeah there's just more like even rogue one i remember i wa i saw it in um i think it was 16 millimeter when i I saw an imax projected off film unfortunately like midway through. The movie something happened with the projector which is sad and then they had to switch yeah. to a, a you know a digital dcp version mm. and it was so obvious to me like the change over it just felt so much more like a film to me um yeah. to be watching it projected off of actual film and had the the you know the film noise and the film grain um it looked like more fitting for the star wars universe because you know those came out in the 70s and the 80s when they actually were shot on film so, um, yeah, I miss it. It's a, real, it's a real bummer. That's why I'm glad Tarantino and Christopher Nolan and I guess there's a couple other filmmakers still trying to keep it alive. Yeah, um, I,
1: I saw uh, The Dark Knight Rises um, at an IMAX screening and it basically went the, the, you know, the black box around it at the bottom of the top. That kept shifting, so it would go widescreen oh, yeah. full in one frame and then the next, literally, it would cut and then it would be reduced to N. Yeah, the letterbox, and you would—it was driving me mad.
2: <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that when it switches aspect ratio and all that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a, that's I wish, true. yeah. I wish. Yeah, they just need to like film the whole thing in IMAX, or uh, yeah, I, I actually don't like that. It's Did a little distracting.
1: See, yeah, definitely. Did either of you see the uh, the trailer for Tenant yet? The uh, new Northern <laughs> film. No, I heard about
2: yeah. it. It's only in front of uh, what you call it, uh, Hobbs and Shaw, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, it's. Or- a- well over here apparently it's just in yeah, it's is it in I think it's Hobbs and Shaw, isn't it? Yeah. It's in front of the Fast and Furious movie at the moment. Apparently it's a trailer in front of it, but it will yeah. be released online eventually. And, yeah,
2: uh, I'm excited. I uh, his teasers are really great because he normally does them like specifically for IMAX. So um yeah, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. Thank goodness there's like a couple of filmmakers keeping the real Yeah, you know, old school, classical uh, like film Hitchcock, you know. Big Hollywood kind of, um, yes. you know, I classic like, style.
1: One great thing about uh, Nolan is he keeps his, um, you know, he treats his audience like they're, in, they're, they're intelligent enough to keep up with the plot. Do you know yeah. that? He, does, he never dumbs his films down for people. He goes, I know that you can follow this, so here's, here's what would happen in this situation with the characters I have. And I think that's a real, you know, a real bonus personally.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's hard to do nowadays when you have like big budgets. Then it has to appeal to you know everybody.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I suppose I'm, like we were saying that that is definitely the bonus of of playing to that indie market, where you know that as long as somebody will will help you with distribution and so on, um, then you can appeal to to your audience essentially.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yep, so, but then you, got- you know it's always a risk.
1: So, what are you yeah. working on after uh, Darkwood then, Michael? Yeah. yeah, so,
2: I mean, um, yeah, I did uh, I did a play in LA over the summer, which was nice to kind of get back to acting and, and to do it live. um was a really good experience. Um, Dark Web has taken up uh, so much of my brain capacity that it's been hard <laughs> to see past it, because, um, you know, it, it was just kind of me and Tim and Mario, and then at certain points, you know, I had to really drive, like, the sale of the show and um, some elements of post and, and all that stuff, so... I, I've definitely felt responsible to that show and getting it done. And now I'm still responsible for, you know, the marketing and all of that, and, and to make sure people are, um, are are seeing it, you know, and that it's getting the, we're getting the word out there on that. So I'm still kind of working on dark web. Uh, I guess I'll be working on dark web till the day I die. That's okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then I'm writing something new that is a feature um, that has a sci-fi uh, twist to it uh it, it's a sci-fi twist on a uh i don't want to give too much away because i don't want mm-hmm. someone to steal it but um <laughs> yeah, it's like a sci-fi twist on like a one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of thing okay, i've said so too much
0: already <laughs> um, <laughs> Now, Hugh, have you seen do. one of the cuckoo's nest?
1: Yes, I've seen one of Over the Nest. Whenever oh, a film assume. comes up, well, whenever a film comes up, I've seen these I, things.
0: <laughs> I, 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 if I, it's a film I love, I have to ask you because if you haven't seen it, it's, it makes great, you know, great fodder for another episode, really. Yeah, I mean, with the when you're when you're writing something, Michael, at this point, when you're developing a project, do you consciously choose to write things that will fit what you can feasibly make, or will you go, "I'm just going to write as good a film as I can," and then I'll worry about that? Further
2: down the, r- down the line? Yeah, it's a good question. Because um, it's like we, Mario and I, thought we were doing that with Dark Web. <laughs> we <laughs> thought we were writing something relatively um, inexpensive and mm-hmm. easy to produce. Uh, and it turned out not to be the case. <laughs> like it turned out to be a, a lot more complex and a lot more expensive and a lot more ambitious than we ever thought. And we learned every day more and more how how crazy we were to even be trying to do to do like a season of tv with multiple locations six different directors di- all different casts. yeah you know, it really thousands is of effects well yeah you just don't think like so yes i mean i i do try to like conceive of stuff within a like indie infrastructure that i'm used to and that i could do you know small kind of mm-hmm. you know quote unquote on my own even though it's not on my own it's with you know always with a group of artists and talented people and lawyers and you know whatever um, so, yeah, I do. But then it's just, you just forget how things add up. Like, we had a cat in Dark Web that we had to cut out of the script because, <laughs> you know, you need an animal trainer and you need, you know, some of the cats were allergic. And um, you just forget, like, every, yeah. every stinking app that we have in the episode <laughs> needed all kinds of research and design and graphic design. And that's, you know, and then somebody had to composite it in. And, you know, every shot that we had a computer screen in there needed, you know, a burn in. And it's like if we had just not had that computer screen in that shot, we <laughs> wouldn't have had to do that. So what is it you so, have to do there?
0: What's the what's the process involved there?
2: Well, I mean, in theory, like if I did it all again, I would try to do all that R and D beforehand and shoot it live, like in camera, have a lot of as many of those graphics as we could, you know, live. But you know, we didn't have those ready by the time we were shooting, so you know, all of every single. Frickin' computer screen <laughs> is, is. You'd imagine there in a film called
1: Dark Web as well. <laughs>
2: yeah. what, what's that?
1: You'd imagine there was a few computer skill, uh, screens in a film called the Dark Web. <laughs> yeah,
2: and cell phone screen. Yeah, yeah. After that, I was like, I want to do one room with no technology. <laughs> so I, was like, I got it. Got to, I got to get out of the dark web. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe.
1: Maybe a sci-fi project can be set in the 18th century or something like
0: yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> a guy in a cabin with a typewriter or a pencil and a pen and a yeah. piece of paper and that's it.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. And and I don't know what would be sci-fi about it, but we'll figure something out. <laughs> as long as there's no computer screens in it, good God. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's like, you know, you have to have a graphic designer and then you have to, um, you know, composite that graphic into the shot. And that's always tricky. And Mario and I were, and Tim, my brother, were such pains in the arses about, like, you know, we hate those burn-ins in in TV shows that are so obviously burned Mm -hmm. in. So we were really picky about that. And we had a budget where we couldn't be that picky, but we were. And, and, uh, yeah, and a lot of the shots weren't prepped right because we didn't have a VFX supervisor in some of the earlier shoots that we did. So that made it even more tedious. And, (laughs) you know, you'll just never, like, you know, every shot that has a computer screen in it then becomes an effects shot. And, um, you know, if you have, um, you know, 20 shots in that scene, that's 20 effect shots. And that's, you know, you think you're writing something for a week. Yeah. Oh, a week. Longer. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So you think you're writing something um, that's relatively easy in this day and age to do. But like every, every, you know, it's it's kind of cliched, but time is (laughs) time is money. And every, you know, every shot is money and every you know graphic designer and uh, god it's just it's so much stuff um but it was a good learning lesson but yes that was my long-winded way of saying i do try to to write within a what i think would be a feasible like indie infrastructure budget wise but there are things that
0: crop up that that couldn't have been foreseen has that definitely taught you then for the thing that you're currently writing or um that you're working on in terms of well like you say no computer screens no animals no children
2: no, not necessarily, because, uh, you know, um, I know how to do it better now, after mm-hmm. Dark Web was like film school on steroids, yeah. um, so I know how to do it a lot better now, and I know who the vendors are that I would go to, mm-hmm. who are kind of indie-friendly, and also know that we are sort of perfectionists about that stuff as much as we can be, um, so no, it hasn't totally, like, uh, but and it's also even things like, okay, if that actress or actor is holding their phone up, you know, in that scene. I as a director now or producer, I'm gonna have them say, just have that phone like just barely on screen so we don't have to <laughs> So little things like that. Um, um you know, so it's only one effect shot versus like ten over the whole scene. Yeah. Um what we'll so do little in the things future, like that.
1: We'll send you this recording and you can play it to your actors before uh before <laughs> they use the phones
2: yeah like, hey, listen, don't do look. what I did well and it's terrible because <laughs> it's I'm, an yeah, I'm an actor in the show and I was like guilty of it so many times I'm Like, uh, Michael yeah. Mike, why weren't you thinking like a producer while you were acting damn it
0: <laughs> that's tricky what would you say what's your do you have a professional goal in terms of the film that you'd like to make or where you want to be you know in your career
2: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like you know, Clint Eastwood has always been somebody I really admire. Um, in terms of somebody who like generates his own content and is a great mm-hmm. actor, and has had like a very uh, you know versatile career. Um, so you just yourself him.
0: just sticking with one. You you like being behind and in front of the camera and and producing and doing as much as you can around it.
2: Um, within reason. I mean, like you know, doing a play this summer was a great thing because it was just after dark web I I, like wiped me out and it was (laughs) nice just to show up and like be directed into my lines. So I kind of like I go, I don't know, I go in like cycles where it's like, oh, I just want to act right now and be told what to do. And then, you know, there'll be like a hunger for more or there'll be like this thing I'm developing or writing or passionate about that I want to go all in on and I'll do whatever it takes to get it done. Um so there's like a fulfilling quality to you know doing it all. It, yeah. then it also gets really exhausting um, and sometimes you want to like step away from it um, but it, to me it's all the same in the sense that it's like storytelling and I just like telling stories so whatever I have to do to do that like if I'm on a TV show acting then great I'm telling a story if I can't get a job I'm going to write my own or do a play or or whatever you know and just kind of um, go with the waves you know Yeah. Right. right? <laughs> yeah, the waves. but I do admire like you know, people that generate like Lena Dunham, the Duplass brothers, and, um, you know, there's a lot of people now doing, you know, creating their own art and, um, you know, really being the authors of their own art at this point. And luckily, we're in a, a world of technology now where you can do that and then have it get seen. I think that's so cool.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we look forward to, uh, to seeing the upcoming projects you've got in mind.
2: Yeah. Thank um, you so awesome. much. And well, thank you very much for watching the ones that we've already done um been you know I, I really appreciate that and, and tweeting about them and all that stuff it really helps oh yeah and, it's, and, uh, it's been
0: a very fun bit of research <laughs> this week you know and uh, and catching up on basically everything you've done
2: it's been a lot of fun oh well, yeah I can tell you guys did your homework homework, and I, I really appreciate it <laughs> and then giving dark web a chance as well um and thank you thank you guys so much because it's like we make you know, I'm like you, I'm I'm one of you. So it's like we make this stuff for ourselves, but we also make it for you, people that kinda of get it and know what it is and are willing to take a chance on original content that's not, you know, preestablished IP and remakes and you know, yeah. kind of trying to exist on pure nostalgia. So I really can't thank you enough.
0: Oh, keep it coming. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Well, thank you so much for giving us over an hour of your time. It's been a real coup to get you on the show and uh, yeah, we'll we'll send you a recording and, and send you a link to where you can find it.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, anytime. Um, and, and enjoy and hopefully talk to some of the other uh, circle partners in crime. I know they're, they're a good group of people for sure.
3: Will do. Well
0: all right,
2: guys. Well, enjoy. Keep in touch and, and go watch uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.
3: Yes, we will <laughs> do. <laughs> all right, all the I'll
2: best. check in after I watch The Wire. <laughs>
1: good night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. take care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Okay, well, that was our interview with the wonderful Michael Nardelli. Did you enjoy it, Hugh?
1: Um, it was more than I ever expected. To be honest, we gave us—he was very generous with his time. He gave us a great insight into not just the film we're discussing today, but the movie making process. Um, so, I hope you guys all enjoyed that because that, yeah, it was fantastic. Yes, yeah, if you haven't honest, seen Dark Web, um,
0: I would—I would recommend it. you've got—you've got an insight there into one of the makers. Uh, well worth watching. Um, Yes, I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna go rewatch it now. Um, so, Hugh, the big question is something yeah. you know if we haven't we didn't touch on it in the interview.
1: Did what did you think? Did you like Circle? So, when I first sat and watched it, I'll be honest, it I struggled mm-hmm. with it first time round because of like some of the morality in it was quite immoral moralistic, and um, as you were saying beforehand, you know one of the reasons I did like it was because it was an intelligent thrilling you know my when it when it first started as I said before um I didn't you know you didn't know what was going to happen so I you know I could feel my heart in my chest going because I was excited to see it um I was a little bit like oh well if that they were you know like I said there was either two ways they were going to get out it was going to either be the the little girl and the woman at the end or they were going to figure out at least a handful of survivors are going to figure it out. And then when you realize that wasn't going to happen, I knew that it was going to be an exploration of, um, like you said, race and, um, you know, politics and um, ethics and morality and all those sort of things that, you know, uh, are intensely interesting to audiences. Um, So I, I I did struggle a little bit with that because it was a heavy subject matter. Maybe that I wasn't totally prepared for. And so I, I enjoyed the ending Mm -hmm. of it first time round, but then obviously, when we knew that we were getting Michael on the show, I was like, right, I'll watch this again and I'll go through it. And a bit like yourself with Rogue One on the second viewing, and then having the insight from a producer in the film, it yeah, I would definitely recommend it because it's it, it, we need films like this in cinema. And I know the, and when I was sat watching it, I knew that, oh, this appealed to you very much because it's. You know, without being crude, it's a psychologist's sweat <laughs> Without wet being dream, crude, because <laughs> it's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, without yeah, that's turning it back. Because I knew that you would like that aspect to it. Because it's stuff. It is a psychological examination of how people react under severe stress in an name moralistic scenario where they, their, their ultimate goal is survival. We can't test that, so we have to make mm. it. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? My favourite scene again was yourself. It was the same as um, Eric's, you know, Michael's character. Eric, he does do the 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 what to the audience has been, you know, the audience aren't guided too much in this film, but there is musical cues. There is, you know, innocence of that character. He's playing, you know, he's playing the game. He's realised it's a game. He he's going as he Eric said in the interview. He's just a grandmaster strategist. Who knows that he has to keep quiet at some points, but has to suggest things to other characters at other points to try and win, you know, to to win at the game of life. You know, you win or you die, as he suggested. Um, So, upon second viewing, as I said, (laughs) seeing Michael's character do those things, you're like, oh, well, isn't that interesting? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying. Like, there was one particular scene where one of the. The the man behind the pregnant lady dies and uh, Eric goes, Eric goes, oh, he was voting for the pregnant lady. I saw him. And at the time I remember going, oh, yeah. oh is he playing the game? And then it quickly cuts away yeah. from him to somebody else talking. And you, as an audience, you, the, the the filmmakers have done a great job because they've misled you because the last person who did a lot of talking and made judgments was killed off. So you're thinking, oh, is he gonna, he's going to get killed off. Um <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I kind of got engrossed with it in that sense on the second viewing, seeing all the little, knowing the results, and then your brain starts going, "Oh, what if it went this way, what if it went that way?" you know would you know what if they had, they could have figured out a way to not be all murdered one by one by this. And it, it, it's interesting because we, we look at it as an examination of the human <laughs> condition, where it's well, is it an examination of the human condition? Yes, because it's made by humans. You know, it's a film about humanity, but it's almost like they don't address yeah. the kind of the, the thing, in you know, the, the literal thing in the room, you know, the elephant in the room, or in this case the big black ball in the room, is they're not actually doing it. It's something's doing it to them. <laughs> They've just been given the mechanism to, to kill themselves rather than it being uh, dispassionate by a malevolent evil. So there was... They just they do touch on it every now and then but they it's ultimately like them trying to work out that one of them survive that it, it brings kind of human instincts, I suppose.
0: Yeah, so it's you it, so you liked the interesting exploration into into humanity. Um, how many fake spouses out of ten, would you give it? Oh of course, of course I do. Yeah, favorite line, favorite scene. Tell me more. Yeah, as
1: I said, this favorite scene was <laughs> the bit where you find out Eric's true colours, are revealed as a horrific psychopath. Although it was interesting <laughs> to hear uh, Michael say that he wasn't uh, a psychopath. That was fascinating yeah. because I thought that was, I thought that was maybe how they would have played it.
0: No, I, th- I thought it gave a good account, uh, a good defence, just saying that he yeah, was just yeah. somebody who was playing the game, uh, and he was just playing it more smartly than the others who were just aggressive yeah. and you know,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, the favourite line uh, was from um, the blonde, like, hippie guy with the beards. Uh, he, and his, oh, yeah. he's talking to the pregnant lady, trying to convince her to vote for, for her own self-interest ultimately. And he just says, all it takes is one vote. It's really that simple. And it was like, it, but it, it's such an incongruent line because it isn't that simple.
0: <laughs> he was very convincing. They were very good at getting people on their side. Don't you want to see your daughter again? Yeah. You know, all that stuff. Don't you want to find out the gender of your baby? Yeah, him in particular, he's, uh, he's credited as the bearded man, Kaiwi Lyman.
1: His yeah. character very much comes into it in the second half of the film as well. Um,
0: yes. He stood there like Christ, just sort of quietly, benevolently looking over things, and then, yeah, then he, then he kicks into action. So, yeah, ratings-wise, how many fake spouses out of ten would you give it?
1: Yeah, I'd give it a solid seven.
0: That's good. That's good. I think for a low-budget indie-type film, that's that takes a risk and has very few, no, you know, recognizable uh, actors. I think that's a very solid score.
1: You know, it was bold, wasn't it? And it, it as soon as you realised they weren't mm. all going to survive, and it was literally going to come down to one person. Um, I I got invested maybe from that point because I think I did want to skip to the end, and then I was like, because uh, it's like, well, I want to see if it. They do survive, and then when you realise... But obviously, because I had to watch it for this, I was like, well, I can't really skip to the end, so I'll watch it through. And, I mean, it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. Like, there are some characters that maybe get offed that seem... seem un, not unfair, but not kind of in keeping with the tone of the film. Um, yeah,
0: it could just... It's basically random, and somebody dies completely not yeah, in the at the time. Yeah, there was the
1: Asian woman... Like there was no reason they didn't. Yeah, the film wasn't going towards her being off to next.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. To be honest, I don't. I don't envy the filmmakers having to kill that many people and have it to mean something every single time in such a short space of time. You know, otherwise it was. I think otherwise it was done quite well. Uh, you ready for the quiz?
1: Um, yes, I am prepared for the quiz.
0: So I've I've chosen a different question to ruin you know because you ruined one. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Question one: What happens if nobody votes for anyone?
1: Um, the floor lights up and it looks like it's going to kill them all. And then? Um, then I think it picks somebody at random. I think, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which I think would be, that one be dies, the, the only it,
0: fair it? way of doing it. Question there, one out of one. Why did a faction, why did a group of them decide to vote for the young girl?
1: Because they knew that um, one of them was going to die anyway, so they thought they stood a better chance of survival if they just got rid of them early doors.
0: Exactly, yeah, because they knew otherwise it would come down to them too. Do you think it would have been
1: made a more interesting film if they had killed off the, the little girl? I'm not saying they should have it
0: would have been an, it would have been an interesting moment but i think it would have taken away from the final moment
1: yeah yeah so i
0: think it was worth it for that question 3 how many people died in the film
1: uh 50 <clears throat> you sure yeah cuz the yeah cuz there's <gasps> 50 of them there's 51 people isn't there technically cuz there's a baby
0: hey good good yeah absolutely question 4 for what crime did the cop recognize the tattooed Latino? fella.
1: Um, he assaulted his girlfriend.
0: Very good. And question five, for you to get uh, full marks. What is the name of the fake wife played by Julie Benz? What's the name of the fake wife's daughter?
1: Christ. Uh, that's not that. <laughs> 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 that didn't, didn't, oh. <laughs> is it Beth? No,
0: Beth was one of the uh, oh. circle people.
1: Oh, at least I got that right. Yeah. Oh no, I have no idea. I do you know what? I yeah, I I don't I, I, I don't remember the name of the pod. The young...
0: I'm glad I got you on one of them. It was Emily. Emily.
1: No, no, it doesn't ring any bells. So four out of, four out of five is not bad, especially the... not bad. Not bad. How did you find out the name of the little girl? Then was that have you been like sat watching it on your phone or something in the last ten minutes while we were?
0: Oh, I just remembered it. Oh, fair enough. It. Yeah, because um, I've seen
1: it. Do you have times. do you have any facts? Any facts? 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 Uh,
0: I've got very few facts, yeah. but a couple. Um, in our conversation, Michael said that his brother designed the alien spaceships. Apparently, they were influenced by the Apple building.
1: Yeah, I liked the design of the uh, building because they were they the spaceships because they had the they're like a orb in the middle, didn't they? Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I did like cool. that. It was
0: good. And for low budget, the effects weren't too off putting. I thought the ships
1: no you could it, there was a bit it was there was a look it it was definitely like it was very indie you know what yeah I mean? if that was
0: in the next marvel film you'd be like right well look, they've obviously <laughs> skimped on
1: that <laughs> yeah uh,
0: another fact um it was it was filmed in just over 10 days yeah. as michael said it was filmed chronologically so it was filmed in order yeah uh, i think that's another word not chronologically um yeah no anyway. you're right yeah chronologically
1: so, yeah the script was filmed hint,
0: yeah, in order of the script, sequence, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, and it was—I would urge you, if you haven't already seen it, um, Hugh and Listener, uh, to watch The Vault. It's all available on YouTube. Um, There's sort of ten-minute episodes, and it's a sort of dystopian game show. Each uh, character is just in a room playing a uh, reality show called The Vault. Um, and it was by seeing those that that Michael was. Um, Kind of convinced to come onto the project and work with it and so on so that's another bit i don't really i don't know if i've got any other bits of trivia actually that was circle i'm glad you, i'm really glad you enjoyed it hugh because uh, i wasn't 100 sure how it was going to go what are we going to watch next time
1: so uh, we're going. So we were speaking about classic movies earlier with uh, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to watch one of those said classic movies uh, that some people haven't seen. We're going to watch uh, Francis Ford Coppola's epic Apocalypse Now. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. What do you know about it? Sam?
0: I know some things. Um, I know. Uh, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah, um, I've seen the the scene. What's the, is it Ride of the Valkyries or something? What's the song? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Uh, Bach's Ride of the Valkyries,
3: yeah.
0: It um, favourite. Wagner's in it.
1: Oh, yeah, sorry, Wagner, Up Bach. So, Yeah.
0: Oof. Um, I also know that Marlon Brando's in it, and he turned up overweight and didn't know the lines, and so he gives a sort of incomprehensible performance, but it kind of works putting him in the darkness. And I know that Colonel Kurtz i think is martin sheen and he goes up the river and then finds that marlon brando i think maybe used to be a soldier or was supposed to be a soldier and he's lost his mind and it's kind of about the effect of vietnam
1: mm. on well some of the stuff he said there is right some of it's wrong uh, we'll find out uh, next time on uh, I'm looking forward to it please watch this and uh, just so it gets mentioned roger ebert uh, <laughs> six for six and man. Mark Kerr mode um, <laughs> yeah, he's five from, if you want to get into it with us how can they do that <laughs> uh, they can shout loudly out the window and hope that we hear it but failing it's unlikely <laughs> but it's worth a shout but failing that they can uh, send us an email at please at gmail dot com if you want to discuss uh, any of today's content, content or any of the other episodes we're always welcome for emails we're probably going to add in a section eventually where we actually respond to some of them fingers <laughs> crossed if you actually <laughs> You know, if we get, if we get enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can and
0: they- uh, we can also be found on Twitter, yeah. at Please Watch Pod. If you want to get in touch with Michael, who was our guest today, just to say, you know, great performance or whatever, you can find him on Twitter at TheNardelli. That's N-A-R-D-E-L-L-I. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks again to Michael for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Mm. And uh, I look forward to our next episode. Yeah, take care now. Love you all. Bye-bye. Bye.